Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. Brooke North is an actor, writer, producer, director, more or less in that order. In 2012, Brooke co-founded Southstream Productions with John Honeycutt. Since then, Southstream has produced seven plays in seven years. In addition to running Southstream, Brooke has acted with groups throughout the Triangle, having appeared in more than 20 plays since moving here in 2008. He also writes short plays, many of which have been produced both locally and abroad. Seven and a half of those short plays appeared in his most recent production, This Doesn't End Well, produced in January 2019. In this episode, we spoke about This Doesn't End Well, which Brooke wrote, directed, and produced. And thanks to Brooke's willingness to be vulnerable and honest, we really chewed on what it's often like to be a small local independent theater company. And not just logistically or administratively, but emotionally and psychologically, including thoughts about money, value, asking for help, ego, gratitude, defining success, and more. If you're moved to do so, I would love to hear your thoughts and reactions to this conversation. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. So you are the co-founder and artistic director of South Stream Productions. And I want to talk about the about paragraph for mm-hmm. South Stream sure. because I think I think there's just a lot to discuss related to that paragraph. So I'm going to read this for our listeners. Quote, South Stream Productions is a group of actors who want to do theater in the Triangle area that we think is interesting, engaging, and entertaining, but most of all, fun stuff we want to do. We're not doing this for money. Well, you do have to buy tickets, but trust me, we're not doing this for the money. We're doing this because we find stories we like, that we'd like to tell, and we think we'd be good people to tell them. Characters we'd like to play, shows we'd like to direct, that's it. So come join us. So you you do not aim to do a season of plays every year. It seems January is a very popular time for you to produce, but it's not, you're not trying to crank out a certain number of plays per season. And you're approaching this uh, for the enjoyment, I think, Mm -hmm. of the work. Why did you decide to take that kind of an approach? It mostly came out organically from what we were doing. You know, the South Stream started uh, when John and I, I mean, I, I approached uh, John Honeycutt in 2012 when we were doing Romeo and Juliet um, at Coco Booth. And I had this play I had, that I had read and that I was very interested in working on, um, uh, Copenhagen by Michael Frayn. And... That play, uh, it was, and that was actually given to me when I, because I had just done Michael Noises Off, also uh, by Michael Frank. <laughs> I forgot that he wrote both of those. Right, so which funny. is crazy. <laughs> if, if if your listeners are familiar with both of yeah. those plays, it, it's it's amazing that the same person wrote them yes. because the, the Noises Off just couldn't be like more of an insane, crazy, farcical inside baseball actors play that's just like a laugh a minute. And and Copenhagen is a three person drama that is people talking about nuclear physics 
for for its two act play. It's like an yeah, I mean, it's a solid hour and a half, to, you know, to, of people talking about nuclear it's physics. It's heavy, right? Yeah, I mean, and and there's three characters: Werner Heisenberg, uh, Niels Bohr, and uh, Niels' wife Margrethe Bohr. And when I was working on Noises Off, someone else in that cast, Tony, gave me the script. He said, you should check this other play out. It's really good, but it's very, very different. And uh, I read it and I loved it. And when I read it, I absolutely heard John's voice. Hmm. Um, he's someone that I had worked with before and who I knew. And and I'm like, it's just when you read a script, sometimes, I don't know um, if you do this, but like I read a lot of scripts. We produce only one show a year. We've been going since 2012. We've produced seven shows in seven years. But I read a lot of scripts. And sometimes when I read a script, I'm like, people's voices, like Mm -hmm. specific people just jump out at me like, oh, I'd love to have this person. I'd love to have that person. Um, Or I could see this person doing this role. Um, So anyway, I I approached him when we were doing Romeo and Juliet in 2012. And I said, I really like this script. I mean, it's pretty cheap to produce. There's three characters. There's no set. I'd be interested in doing it. Would you be interested in working on it with me? And John not only said, yes, I would be interested, but he said, and I'll help you produce it. <laughs> and you were like, yes. Yes, perfect. <laughs> yes. So so that's, and so originally that was it. Like we weren't like, there was no plan to make a season or to make a company or anything like that. It was just, let's do the show. And when you apply for rights, um, if you've ever done this uh, through Drama Display Service or through Samuel French's, and I forget which one it was. There's a form that's a required field that says, what's your company name? <laughs> and so, so thus, thus Southstream Productions, I suggested it because, you know, my name is Brooke North, mm, Southstream. I get it. I was wondering. Yeah. Oh. So it's my, my name backwards. Nice. But yeah, and then we did it and it was really successful. And, and we did it because we like, I, I mean, we both love the script. I came to him because I love the script, but he already had the script and loved the script as well. We did it because we loved the script. We did it because we thought we were good people to do that story. We really liked this telling the story. And also, as an actor, you have so little control over what you do or don't do. Right. And the it's so freeing I mean, you know, I read this script and I'm like, I really feel like, I mean, I actually have a science background. I have, a, I have an undergraduate degree in chemistry. Um, and so I really connected with the script, both like on, in the material and just, and it's just a really well-written script. And I said, I, oh, I could either hope that someone in the area produces this play and then I could audition for this play right. and hope that I get cast in this play <laughs> or I could just produce this play and cast myself. Yeah. And... You know, that's maybe that's a bit of ego, but as a theater artist, uh, so often we have so little control over what we do. And it's really nice sometimes to have control and to say, I want to do this. I think I can do a good job. I'm going to do it and share it with people. And I hope that people agree. And, and it's a really empowering feeling as a theater artist to make that choice. And, you know, if you pick the right script, it's not that hard. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, noise is off. Don't try to produce that on your own. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, again, if you're not familiar with this script, it is like requires a set that, it that revolves. revolves. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, That's so and it was in a remar- lovely, wonderful production at Theater in the Park. And they have 
a budget for sets. And every night they would like, so yes, it's in this giant set that revolves and at, at act one intermission, you revolve the set around act two intermission, you revolve it back around every single time the set got applause. Yeah. Well, it should. It should. Absolutely. <laughs> but we're not going to build that. You and no. I No. <laughs> but, but no, if you pick the right script, you can do it. Right. Yeah. So do you feel pressure to produce more? How is it to gear up every year for a, for a one-show season? I mean, when when we did it the first time, we were just like, we did it. We're like, ah, you know, whew. <laughs> and I think it took until about April when I'm like, so do you want to do another one? And he's like, well, yeah. And then I said, I've been really, like, there's Seascape by Edward Albee was the second one we did. And it was just a script. Again, I loved it. been sitting on my my nightstand for a while. And that tends to be how we choose them. So it, it it started from there of just like, and it usually takes us about a month or so or two months to forget how much work it was. Yes, you do, do have to forget. First for, one. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, I don't feel any pressure to do, well, let me put it this way. I don't feel any pressure to make it, to do more because I don't think I can do more. I think that, you know, in addition to being, you know, the co-founder and co-producer for Southstream, um, I'm also an actor. I've acted with most of the companies in the triangle and some some outside of the triangle. I also write. Mm-hmm. And those tasks, I mean, I, I get a lot out of doing that sort of thing. And if we were to try and move from being a, like, let's do one show a year to something where let's have a season, let's do two shows, let's do three shows, then it would have to be much more of a focus. Um, we don't do a lot of, we don't have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't um, do a lot of audience development. And, and you know, that from a production standpoint, I'd say that's a weakness. But that's by choice. Right. You know, we choose, I mean, I could spend a lot more time I could make it, I'm a 501c3, we're not. I could, I could, we could apply for grants, we don't. We could, you know, try and establish a season and regular subscribers and memberships, we don't do that. And we don't do that by choice because, you know, that is something that, you know, basically neither, like if we put a lot of work into it, we could be doing a season, but then I would be doing a lot of the things that I don't want to be doing. Yes. The whole purpose, the whole genesis of the company in the first place was I want to do something that I find artistically creative and fulfilling. And John wanted to do something that was artistically creative and fulfilling. We decided to do it together. People that work in audience development and, and the administrative side of arts are incredibly important and like incredibly valuable members of the team every single time. Um, and we don't have, we're not those people. Right. And, you know, and they deserve appreciation, but that's just not who we are. And and we made, well, I don't know if we've made the choice. We haven't really sat down and made the, like, let's make this decision. It's just been like, neither John nor I have really felt like that's where we want to go. And yeah, and then there again, like I said, like also it gives me the opportunity to do a play with, other companies, like I did, you know, a play it with CFRT down in Fayetteville, and I did, you know, things like that is, is really, they're important too, to me. I 
think it's nice to know what your limits are, what you like to do, and what you're willing to sign up for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's wonderful to be in other people's productions because you don't have to shoulder that load. And sometimes it's wonderful to produce your own work for the reasons that you mentioned, so that you can have some control, so that you Mm can um, work on something that speaks to you in particular. And there are benefits to doing both. They take different energies, different skill sets. And, you know, at this point, I imagine in our lives, knowing what we're willing to bring into our lives over the year, over Mm -hmm. the course of a year, what a season looks like, um, you know, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. And and I remember a long time ago when I was doing a lot of self-producing, we were trying to grind it out. At a certain point, I looked at my partner. I was like, this is not fun. Yeah. And I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And that's an okay choice. And that is an okay choice. Absolutely. I would love to be able to do it, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I can do it sustainably Mm -hmm. and in a way that makes me feel like I want to. Yeah. I don't want this, you know? And so, and if we're going to hustle, if we're going to be turning this stuff out without making a ton of money and all the things that you Mm -hmm. and I will probably get into later on in this conversation, you really have to want to be there. You really have to love that thing you're doing. Absolutely. And it really is like if you have been on the side of producing or directing and that sort of thing, like it is really wonderful. Like I did uh, Stuff Happens with Burning Coal and it's like, oh, all I have to do is learn my lines? Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is paradise. (laughs) Yeah. It's so nice. It's so nice. So speaking of control and taking on more, your your most recently uh, produced work was a collection of plays that you wrote. Yes. So you wrote them, you directed, you produced, mm-hmm. and the, this performance was titled This Doesn't End Well, and it just happened in January of 2019. Yep. What was it like to wear all those hats <laughs> at the same time? Um challenging i mean the 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 first thing i told the actors so first of all back back up this doesn't end well was a collection of of seven and a half um one was a three minute um a 10 minute place so that and but the plays themselves i had written over the course of probably like six years you know 10 minute plays like a format that's pretty popular now there's 10 minute play contests we you know we, we used to have 10 by 10 now, they've revived it, but now it's just North Carolina writers or something, and it's not at the Arts Center. So right, it's sort of Carrie? Yeah. yeah. But but anyway, there's, there's there's contests like that all across America and internationally as well. So all, all the scripts that I've written, and I have plenty more, that were written for those those types of contests. So I had them in a drawer, and typically when you write a 10-minute play for a contest, it's like write a 10-minute play about... Like that has something like well, the theme is birds mm-hmm. or our theme is magic or our theme is unfinished business, you know, and, and I find it easier to actually honestly to write to a prompt rather than just write a 10 minute play about anything. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, it's like write a 10 minute play about, you know, use the idea of birds go, you know, that is a lot easier. It narrows your narrowing well it's often said right like that putting limits on our art yes. helps create there's freedom uh, within limits yes, right absolutely. yes yeah yeah so anyway i so and then when you write these this stuff for these contests quite often it's like you send it off and then maybe you get a letter saying well thank you very much for submitting but we're not you know you didn't make the final cut or whatever and that's what happened to most of these plays but i had them and when we were looking for what we wanted to do next 
I said, well, I've, I've, it would be nice to, it was nice, it would be nice to do something with them other than just have them sitting in, well, sitting in a metaphorical drawer right. on my hard drive. Because you, know, you put a lot of work into it and I thought they were good. And so I sent them to John and he said, yeah, I think, I think that this works as a play, as a, as an evening of theater. So, but, so, so that's where the plays came from. But the first thing I told the actors uh, because I was directing in addition to producing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't writing it for the play, but um, but but it was directing in addition to producing. The first thing I told the actors was um, that the writer isn't in the room. That the, I know the writer well. <laughs> if you want to make changes, we can, I will suggest that. I will bring the writer back. Yes. Right. <laughs> I can bring these questions. But the writer is not in the room. Huh. And we're going to take the script as given. And we're going to perform the script as given. And that, I think, was the right choice. And and we did make some changes. I mean, it was really nice being able to be the writer and the director where, like, well, I mean, for for just really obvious example is casting. You know, that, like, several roles that were written for men, I changed to women. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted an ensemble of seven actors. I didn't want separate, completely separate casts for each show. And I think because I, I wanted, because as an actor, you know, it's more fun. Right. You know, it's more challenging. It's like, you know, uh, Lou played like a, a heavy and he played like, you know, a, 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 a company, you know, CE, like a, a vice president of, of, you know, marketing. And he played like, you know, a, a boss and he played the guinea pig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's the, those are fun things for actors to do. And so because I wanted a, an ensemble of seven actors, like I'm like, oh, well, how do I fit these people pieces together? So, yeah, it was really great to be able to, as, an, as a writer and as a director and as a producer, to be able to say, I'm going to just, instead of this being a, a um, heterosexual relationship, this is a same-sex relationship. Things like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would try to do that again <laughs> because it is so, uh, I tend to, I, I I worked, I put a lot into it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a lot of work. <laughs> but, but I mean, I guess like, honestly though, being a writer didn't really affect that. It's really just being a, a director and the producer. And, and when you're like the, the two person team, it's like, you know, who's gonna, how are we going to get this thing from here to here? Like, well, I guess I'm going to put it in the back of my car. Right, right. <laughs> that sort of thing. I mean, everything from the mundane to the absolutely like, you know, do the lights work, look right? What do we need? You know, I mean, uh, we had a great uh, lighting designer, of course. Um, uh, Alyssa designed our lights. But, you know, I mean, if you're a director, you're like, we need more light over here. Or things like that. So. Do you feel like you gave preference to a certain role? I mean, I know that sometimes when I'm when I'm bridging mm-hmm. two different roles, I will give preferential treatment to one over the other. And sometimes it can be a, an administrative thing because it can be fun to check those little things off the list. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're like pound, 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 doing, doing, doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I want to give preference to the more artistic and creative side. I just mm-hmm. want to like, dig into that and be that person and mm-hmm. who gives a crap about, you know, the social media and all of that kind of stuff. So did you find yourself, how did you toggle back and forth between those two? Um, that's a good question. Sometimes well, sometimes not well. I definitely gave preference, like my personal preference was the artistic side, the directing, the working in the room with um, this wonderful group of actors who gave their time to me 
and you know shared their art with me that was absolutely my preference i find the other other you know the production aspects are stressful but necessary mm-hmm. and i definitely working i worked a lot especially those last you know because we, we we produce um typically one show a year and typically the first three weekends of january the reason we initially chose those dates was that that was what was available like i'm like hey when when john and i first did copenhagen i was like hey last year there were no productions on this weekend at all mm-hmm. that means that theaters will probably be available so let me look for let me call up rachel at common ground rest in peace mm, yeah and uh see if it's available and it was and so we've gone at that that's been our target partly again because no one else is doing a show then space is available and also there's less competition the bad side is you know everyone's already spent a lot of money on christmas and maybe they kind of just want to stay home the weather's I, a factor weather's a factor right? we did we have lost performances in the past to weather that happened with blackbird Anyway, so those, the, our crunch time is after Christmas, right? The, the, from Christmas through New Year's through like when we opened, I think on the 4th this year, that's our crunch time. Wow. And so that I was really nonstop. We have a rehearsal and then I stay and I paint the set because I like if I paint it after rehearsal, it'll be dry by the time we come back to rehearse again, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of, and I, and I probably, honestly, I'm probably too much of a control freak in terms of the, or I shouldn't say control freak. I am, I am overly controlling <laughs> and I am not very good at delegating and I'm not very good at asking for help. I'm not as good as I ought to be. And part of that is, you know, I've asked people, you know, some people are amazing and more, and wonderful. And sometimes I've asked people for help and they've said they're going to do something and they don't do it. So part of it is just sort of like sometimes I just assume that people, like, I'm just not going to count on it. It'd be great if you came and helped, but that's okay. I think the other part of it is that I value people's time and I value people's contribution. And to some extent, I feel a little bit, I don't know, guilty is the right word, but uh, asking for people for to do stuff for me for free. Right. You know, it's like, hey, I really need help with props. You know, I really need help with this or with that. It's like, you know, it's people, so many people have been so helpful and wonderful. And I know that quite often people are like, if you ask them, they're very willing to help you and happy to do so. And it's not an imposition. But But to me, I feel like, I want to value people's time. And if I can't afford it, sometimes I just default to, well, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) Yes. This is so (laughs) tricky. This is a sticky wicket here. This idea of value, Mm -hmm. what everybody is getting out of an experience as contributors. And in fact, in our pre-interview phone call, you talked a little bit about this as theater based on, donations, Mm -hmm. the cost of the theater that you make is borne by the contribution of people and mostly that contribution is time. Mm -hmm. Um, And and as indie producers in this area, it's very hard to pay people what we want to Mm -hmm. pay them. Mm -hmm. The money is just 
is just not there. Right. And so that does that does several things to mm-hmm. our mind mm-hmm. um, and our circumstances. One mm-hmm. of the things that it does to most producers is that they don't get paid themselves. So <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that you did not pay yourself as a playwright, director, or producer. In fact, you might have paid to do this work, yes. <laughs> right? And so that's the first thing that happens, yeah. right? It's like, well, everyone gets to eat first, mm-hmm. you know, and yep, then absolutely. I will... Um, I'll take away from myself. And and we do that and that's a choice and I'm not Oh, absolutely. That's not a that's not a judgment, it's just oh, a reality. I don't right? begrudge it at all. Yeah. Absolutely not. But no, it's absolutely a choice. Yeah. And and so that happens and then there's a reluctance to ask other people for help mm-hmm. because we do value their time. We yeah. feel like we can't compensate them. And then mm-hmm. I think there's also some thing that happens at least I'll speak for myself to me is that I I wonder, I question like are you enjoying, is it worth it for you to be a part of my thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, are you enjoying it in the way yeah. that I want you to, to make it worthwhile? Yeah. And so there's that whole script that's running under the experience. And I get really nervous about asking people to join me because I'm afraid they won't get that kind of a return mm-hmm. in their investment. Mm-hmm. So have you come across this? Tell me about donation theater. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And and that's... Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I think that the point of what I was saying previously about donations, I mean, like, look, all theater is based on, is provided by donations, or at least almost all theater. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, unless you're going to a traveling for-profit show at DPAC, you are seeing theater that has been brought to you by donations. Yes. And if it's if that's the Carolina Ballet, um, who I, I had the, the really wonderful fortune to, to work with um, at one point, that is donations from large corporations and from individuals who are wealthy and who are giving, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 2,000, even 500, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, but they've got a whole page of people who support that, who support that effort. And they compensate their artists, uh, you know, I mean, not lavishly, but well, well, certainly well for, compared to this area. And they, their artists spend all of their time in rehearsal and in practice and in, and working to create their, 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 their art. And, and it is, it was wonderful. It's really is, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic um, company and very, very enjoyable um, shows. But if you are producing that kind of theater, obviously, and and really even from that to Burning Coal, obviously they have and and theater in the park and you know I mean is like well do we want to produce this is this too controversial do, is that going to affect your choice of of material yeah of course it is right and if you want to be free of those constraints if you want to be like yeah we want to put on this Blackbird for example mm-hmm. which is a pretty you know it was a wonderful wonderful script but a very very dark subject matter you want to be free of those constraints then you're going to wind up without those resources what you have is is the donations of the people involved um most small independent theater exists on the donations of the the human beings that you see on stage and and even for example burning coal um they've got seasons season subscribers and supporters and 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 donors and like they pay a, a bit a, a stipend and this is, I want to be absolutely clear, this, I'm not knocking them at all. Right, right. Of um, <laughs> I love and respect uh, Jerry and Burning Coal. But it's not, it's not, like the stipend is, is is good. It's generous for the area, but it's certainly not enough to live on. Right. It's not a, not a month of my rent, you know. It's a very wonderful thing to have. But 
a lot of my time. I mean, if, if you try to, even if you just paid me minimum wage, it's, it's not possible. Right. Right. So, so theater that you see is, is really largely supported by the donations of the people you see on stage, the people you don't see on stage, the people who design the lights, the people who run stage crew at RLT, there's loads of them. The people who are stage managers, the people who are, you know, sound designers, all of these people are, um, the theater that it's not just your ticket price. It's also supported by their donations. Right. And so, yeah, so, so you, you rely on the donations of those people that you want to collaborate with and, and that puts other constraints on what you can do. Right. I mean, not just in terms of rehearsal time, but also, you know, in terms of who can participate. I had someone that I wanted to work with on our last show. This doesn't end well. And they're like, listen, I would like to be involved, but I work at these hours and I'm going to have to give up a lot of hours in order to do this. And I said, well, let me know. Like, look, don't short yourself. Tell me how much it would take. And she gave me a number and I said, you know, I'd really like to work with you, but I can't make that number work. Right. And then, of course, obviously that person would be pay, getting paid significantly more than everyone else. Right, right. Um, so there's issues of equity. But, right. but I mean, but, you know, it's like, but that's a real constraint, too. Unlike, you know, artists, whether they're, you know, actors or stage managers or whatever, like they, you know, their, constr- their constraints, who can make it, who can participate is is also determined by by people's econ- by people's economic Absolutely. condition. Yeah. You know. And it's yeah, I mean it's frustrating that people want to get paid and I I I want to pay people. You know, I paid people a very minimal stipend, really a thank you for being part of the show. And I was able to do that because we didn't have to pay royalties yes. for our show. Because we were, that was another advantage of using the the scripts that were in my drawer was that, um, you know, there weren't any royalties. So I said, well, we'll take the money we would have paid as royalties and we're going to give it out to the cast. You know, I mean, I made negative money. Yes. <laughs> A small, I mean, we, we came, came pretty close to breaking even this year. But like, you know, I still made like, you know, negative $50. <laughs> That's good. For all, right, which is good. But like, you know, for all the work that I did yes, too, yes, you know? Exactly, and it's like, you paid $50 to do all that work, right? And it's like not just, you know, I mean, like like when you talk about value, wanting to value people's time, look, these are artists that are talented, that are powerful, that are conscientious, that are skilled, and they're giving their time. And I, I couldn't possibly compensate them what they're worth. But I'd love to be able to give them some more recognition, financial recognition. But you also have to, as a producer and a creative person working on a project, you know, you also have to respect your own time. That like, you know, man, you know, I get it that people are like, look, I, I've trained to do this. I'm, this is a skill and I deserve to be compensated. And I get that. And I agree. <laughs> uh, but I'm one of those people too. And, you know, I try to, you know, it's like I did all this work and I got like, you know, negative $50 instead of, you know, I mean, $50, you know, right, right, right. Um, not a huge difference. And, and what I got, get out of it is, is like I said, we were talking about before the ability to control and the ability to have something, but, but, you know, I mean, you have to value your own time too. And I think that's part of going back to the, what we were talking about earlier of, well, producing a full season and stuff like that. It's like, 
you know, sometimes I, I need to let other people <laughs> yeah. take to do that and, and, and let other people, you know, value my time. People like to work with you. I saw your thank you page uh, on so. your blog and you thanked a bunch of people. Oh, yes. And you have, so you oh, have yes. folks who are willing to donate their time and mm-hmm. work and energy. And, and other theater companies, too. Like, yeah. like we have been supported by, by RLT, Burning Coal, Let Us Borrow Something. Um, in our previous productions, we've, we've gotten support from Man Bites when they were still around. You know, Carrie Players mm-hmm. has, has helped us tremendously on a number of, of, of stuff. So, so, yeah, not just individuals, but also companies, too. It's like we really do have a community that is not very, you know, supportive of each, of each other's work. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that other organizations can support as well and do support. And mm-hmm. I do think that we're really good at doing that in this community, showing mm-hmm. up for each other as groups. Mm-hmm. But my question is, what do you think you are providing? Like, How can we show the people that we work with that we do value them, yeah. despite the fact that we cannot financially compensate them in the way that we want to? Like, mm-hmm. what, what are things, what are best practices? I mean... I don't know if I can speak to best practices. <laughs> what I can, are some I good practices? What I do. <laughs> I mean, and and you know that is, you know, I wish I could give more, but I mean, obviously, thank yous in the program on the website, um, clearly, but I think probably more than that, to me, what's most important is to treating people with respect, making sure that you know people understand that you value that that what they do is valuable um and that that their contributions are 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 meaningful and um and helpful um and treating people with respect in terms of like making sure that yeah making sure that they get thanked and making sure that they know that that you really appreciate their help in terms of theater artists and and you know designers and things like that i always try and make sure that they have as much control or at least they feel like they're challenged and that they feel like they are getting fulfillment in that way mm-hmm. because, because I can't offer much else. But, but no, I mean like it, it, to me, it's like for me as a theater artist, as an actor, when I'm on the other side of the table, like, like a, a stipend is nice, but a stipend is not going to like, probably is not even going to cover one month's rent for me. I'm not going to take off work in order to do this. So it's like, to me, what's interesting is having something challenging. To me, what's interesting is having artistic fulfillment in terms of like having a good group of people to work with, being respected in the room, uh, having my contributions encouraged and respected and listened to and, 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 and shared and, and, and having production elements that support a quality show. You know, which means great good uh, other good people to work with in terms of actors, which means, you know, lighting design that doesn't leave that that is intelligent. You know, I mean, like, of course, no one's expecting perfection, you know, but, you know, good lighting design, good set design, marketing, those sorts of things to support what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And back to, you know, what Southstream is, that's one thing that, like, I really wish I could do better or we could do better is, is marketing because, you know, some of the shows were, I mean, tremendous. I mean, all the actors were tremendous in my opinion, every single show. <laughs> I'm sure that they would probably disagree on one or two, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, they're, they're really professional and wonderful people and good freaking actors. And they did a hell of a job with it. Oh man. I said a lot. Anyway, 
But some of the shows were crackerjack, and the best shows are the ones that had the most people in them. And sometimes we had, you know, 10, 15 people in the audience. And so that's something that I wish I could do better for my cast is marketing and publicity and getting more people there. Because, because I do feel uh, an obligation as a producer. And, and there again, that's something where, you know, maybe I need to let someone help me. <laughs> because, because, you know, yeah, stuff got out late and not enough stuff got up because I was also painting the set and right. I was also directing and I was also, you know, building stuff. <laughs> right. um, and so maybe, yeah, delegating probably is something that I could do better. <laughs> it's a good question, I think, to ask ourselves before mm. entering into a project. How can I ask other people to help me? Or yeah. What do I need help with this mm-hmm. time? You yeah. Know? And and really, yeah, and it, and it is so difficult because I want to be like, look, you know, does anyone get artistic fulfillment from hanging up posters? Like, probably not. You know, is that work that 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 should be like compensated or like like that you should expect people to do for you for free? Like, eh, not really. But then on the other hand, it's like, is that work that like is it worth it for me to pay someone to hang up posters? What's my return on investment there? You right. know, probably not. Like, if we make any profit, we share it with my cast. You know, so it's like. I want to try and keep the bottom line low because I'm hoping that maybe we'll reach sneak above that bottom line and then we can actually have more money to share with my artists. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, yeah, so that's a good example, like hanging up posters, right? It's like, I, yes, I would should have asked for help doing that, but it's like, it's tough to ask people because like I said, it's just not really. <laughs> well, well, here's the, here's something that I'm trying to work on uh-huh. myself. And that is this, just because I don't like to do a thing doesn't mean that universally it is despised. I mean, you know, some people, for some people it's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Like, no prob. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But for me, I'm always thinking, like, please don't ask me to do that. Please don't ask me to have yeah. posters. Oh, I really don't want to do that. Yeah. You know? And so, but not everybody is like me. Right. And so, right. but I am, I am completely 100% with you yeah. on this. Let's go back and talk about ego because mm-hmm. you mentioned that at the, towards the beginning of our conversation yeah. about the ego that's involved with not only having your own company, Mm -hmm. but then also producing your own work Mm -hmm. uh, written by you. Yeah. I am getting ready to do this. I have done, I've done this in the past, past in different ways, but Mm -hmm. I am in the midst of working on this audio drama that I have taken from the staged version and I'm adapting it into something that can be recorded and released in an audio form. And I am essentially producing and directing something that I've written. Mm -hmm. And so this is, ripe for like (laughs) it's like psychological landmines everywhere and 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 i'm trying to kind of go around those Mm -hmm. but can we talk about that yeah absolutely what how was your experience to you said that that the writer was not in the room but you are putting out your work and then monitoring who's showing up for it and and that can be a really tricky yeah absolutely I, uh, before I, I came, I re-re-listened to your, um, your podcast, uh, episode 29, <laughs> what I learned from 40 years of not being famous, which if anyone listening to this has not listened to that, please stop, go back, go listen to that right now. Oh, you're very kind. Uh, no, it really is wonderful. Um, because what you said about like, uh, what is it? Uh, issues of competency. 
Oh, but like the, what you're talking about, like like the, we struggle with is these ideas that like of like of of, of worth in terms of like mm-hmm. you know like are, am I good enough? Do people like me enough? You know that right. sort of thing. And yes, absolutely. I mean, I identify with that completely because it in the rehearsal room, I felt very confident with my actors. Um, I felt everyone. We worked really well together. I had a great group of people, and it was it did not feel like a barrier to me in in the the rehearsal room, in the publicity of it, and in the the pushing of it. Yes. it it's I mean it was very much uh, a bit self deprecating, and that's intentional because that's how I felt. But the big thing I think you hit on this towards the end was like, yeah, you're sitting there. I was at the front of house every single show. I was um, selling tickets and making sure, like checking people in who had who had you know pre bought their tickets online and doing all those sorts of things. And I saw how big the houses were every single night. And it's really hard to be thankful for what you do have and not to be resentful for what you don't have. Right, right. You know, it's it's hard not to be like, why didn't that person show up? Yes. You know, whereas like, but like these other people did show up. Like, you know, that's great. So, and no, I found that to be a real challenge to try and s- stay out of that. Um, and then sometimes I was successful and sometimes I was not. And it probably helped that I went on vacation right after the show closed for, for 10 days to come back and not not let those feelings of, of, of bitterness, maybe is the wrong word, resentment, I think. Because you're like, this is important, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think that's a real challenge. Um, I think the most important thing in terms of how to deal with that, I really do believe in, believe, believe in, in the product, in the show, I should, in, in in what we made together. Like it was good. Mm. And I, I mean, you know, me aside, like, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it up if I didn't think it was good. And I, I wrote a blog post um, on our um, South Stream Productions, like really the main page is a blog. And way back in some some time ago, I just wrote, I wrote something about like, listen, like don't come to support me. Come to see a show. Mm. Like, and, and, and that's not entirely true. Because if you want to come to support me, that's great. Like, I'll take your money. <laughs> Please do come. <laughs> Please do. Please do. But, but I really... I mean, I think this idea of like supporting local theater, I mean, it's, it's good, but on the other hand, it's like, I also want, I want you to come because you think it's going to be good because you think it's going to be a good evening of entertainment. And, and like, yes, I also want you to come to support me. And, and that does, you know, yes, I do feel good if you show up. But, um, I, I really think that like going back to like how to not be bitter and I don't know if I'm perfect at this, but like, it's that like, I really think that what we did was good. Right. And, and that's at the end of the day, like, like, I'm, yeah, no, I'm not doing this to be famous. I'm certainly not doing this to make money. I, I'm doing this to create that art form, which is that, that really, you know, temporary event to share it with people. And I, I would like to share it with as many people as I can. Do I feel a little bit chagrined sometimes that like 
hey, like I wrote this and directed it and produced it? Or do I think that sometimes people are like, oh, that's really nice. Mm. Like, you know, you're producing. Great. That's great. Yeah, I feel that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, I think that what we did was was a good work. And and that's all I can do. You know, I mean, and and that has to be enough. And if that's not enough, that's when you need to say, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Well, I think also it's setting the goals at the beginning so mm-hmm. you know what you're striving for. If your right. goal was to show your work to 2,000 people, right. you would have done this differently. You would have approached <laughs> it differently. Right. You know, you would have taken the time and the money that you had and used it in different ways. And right. so I think that knowing from the beginning, you probably secretly knew from the beginning that what you were really trying to get out of this was work that you felt proud of. Yeah. Um, and you achieved that. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think sometimes we don't make explicit what our goals are, and then we sort of want everything. You know, yeah. we, we want yes. we want yes. like things that we haven't even articulated to ourselves, yes. and we get angry that we don't get those either. But were we ever really trying to get those things, or things that we weren't like brave or honest enough with yes. ourselves to articulate to ourselves? Yes, right? which is yes. <laughs> so it's like it's like that that like. Well, no, no, I just want a little, like, I just, if anyone shows up, that'll be enough. And then, like, you do the show, and you're like, where are you? Right, right, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, what, what expect, expectation did I have? Yeah. Because, no, of course I didn't expect 2,000 people. You're right? You yeah. know, of course not. You know, and it's, and part of it does, back going back to, like, you know, that, like, balance of how do you split your time and, and. I can't assign myself both the job of promotion and the job of direction and the job of, you know, production. Like maybe that's, you know, um, if, if my goal is to have more people show up. Right. Right. If that is my goal. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It's, it's, it's defining success is actually a really, really important step of, right. What are you trying to do? Because I'm not trying to, create the new permanent theater company with a full season, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't want to spend my time fundraising and looking for donors and building the kind of infrastructure I would need to have it be a, a f- like, quote-unquote, full theater company. No, definitely defining... What is successful, I think, is, is you're, you're very right, is very important. And I wonder, I'm thinking now that if if these feelings that we have as artists, makers, producers, these emotions that come up, and I'm talking about emotions related to, you know, more angsty type emotions mm-hmm. about yeah. like, you know, do people like me? Right. Where is everyone? Yes. Is this good? If if all of those emotions right. come up, I if wonder. If this is good, why won't why won't more people show right, up? Right, right. I wonder if that's a little bit of a sign that it's working. I mean, we only feel this way because this is important. Yeah. Because we value it. Mm-hmm. Because we think it's something that we want to share with yeah. our community. And so, if we didn't give a crap mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't have those feelings. True. But maybe this is a little bit of a messed up sign that the alchemy is happening. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is life changing. This is transcendent work for the people in the room or for us. Mm -hmm. And thus it generates these emotions that we then have to deal with and sort of refocus. Mm -hmm. But I take it as a sign that maybe we are doing good, important work. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, 
I I think that's a probably a very healthy way to look at it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, and and it is gosh, you know, it is true that like man and and this ties back into everything else uh, uh we've been talking about, but you know, I honestly would rather that the house was full every single night and I lost a thousand dollars than have the house be half full every night and me make a hundred dollars. And that's something that I'm definitely learning in the process. And certainly with our last couple shows, I mean, I thought that the blackbird was just tremendous and, and it was everyone that saw it thought, thought so, thought, thought so as well, but, but not enough people I feel like saw it. And, um, and, and with this one, I think, uh, you know, we had good crowds for some of them, but um, I want, I feel like it's like, well, is it ticket price? Is it, you know, but it's like, I would rather lose money and have, have this house be full. Yeah. Because I'm not making, doing this to make money. I, and I, I want to share it with people and I want people to be touched. I want people to be, I just want to commune. Right. I mean, like you don't have to have any specific reaction. Right. You, maybe you just think it's maybe you come and you think it's bad. I don't think you will, but maybe you do. I don't know. But but at least have something share something. I would rather share it with like two or three times more people and lose two or three times more money. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the point. Well, that's why we're doing it. Right. Is to share it. Yeah. And the ticket so price. That's like, what feels good. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the ticket price plus the donations of the volunteers um, including the actors and everyone and me, that's what covers is there. It's there to cover the costs. It's not there to, to, you know, pay anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be nice if it was, but you know, I mean the economic realities of it, you know, for one of our previous years for time stand still, I actually broke down our budget uh, and that there again, that's on, on the, the website several years back. It literally figured out that, like, if I sold every single seat to every single show at the full ticket price, no student discounts, no comps, no comps, no no reviewers, nothing, every single seat, every single show, full ticket price, I still couldn't pay the actors minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And that's like seven twenty-five an hour. That is not living wage. Right. That is minimum wage. So that's just the economics of it. You know, if you do a show with fifty seats, that's what you get, or sixty seats, or a hundred seats. Even, right. You know. Right. So so that's yeah. So I don't know. So maybe that's the challenge for the future: is trying to find something, find a way to produce and lose money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and be have, okay with that. And have people show up. <laughs> right, More have people, people show, show up. up. Right, that's, <laughs> it. that's the thing. Well, we have to wrap up. Is there anything that you would like to cover that we haven't covered so far? I don't think so, no. But I definitely wanted to say thank you very much for, for this podcast. I really, really enjoy it. And I think that it's a, a great part of the artistic community in the Triangle. I, I really mean that. Oh, thank you, Brock. Thanks so much for the conversation today. Of course. Hey, friends. Did you know that I'm working on a new audio drama to be released this summer 2019? It's an adaptation of my stage play, Master Builder. This is a whole new kettle of fish for me, and I'm so excited. We're revealing all sorts of behind-the-scenes goodies via the Artist Soapbox Patreon page, and we'd love for you to join us as we roll toward completion. 
patrons who donate $3 or more per month have access to updates and extras, and even more excitingly, they'll have early access to the completed audio drama before the general public. Come on and join us at patreon.com slash artist soapbox.